Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall. Always nice to have you here. This is an empowering hour. Today we're going to talk about how there's efficacy of olive leaf extract on healing herpes simplex virus. This was a randomized double-blind controlled study. Laura Stan University of Medical Sciences in Iran and they found that the herpes simplex, which by the way is epidemic in the United States, nobody knows absolutely, but the best that can be determined is about 80% of the entire American population have herpes. I remember at the both the Institute of Applied Biology uh, when we were doing, when I was specifically uh, doing the work with people with AIDS, they asked me for four years would I work with them, and I did. And they selected the patients who otherwise had tried retrovirals with no success, mainly AZT, some DDI, DDC, protease inhibitors, and they were getting worse, not better. And all 10, 10 out of 10, not only got better, they reversed their HIV condition completely. But also, we would test people, and every one of them had herpes. At Tri-State Healing Center, thousands of patients from breast cancer to dementia, the vast majority had herpes. Never knew it. Not everyone has outbreaks. And, uh, but now that we have a treatment that works, yeah, herpes simplex is a, it's a common infection in healthy individuals. Uh, it can be gotten without sex, by the way, probably is in most cases. And, but there's drug resistance and side effects on the drugs that have drawn the attention of researchers. And as a result, they're going towards more complementary approaches. Well, olive leaf extract easy to get, inexpensive, also helps against all other viruses, uh, including a common cold and flu. It has very powerful antiviral impact, especially on herpes. That's what this double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial showed. So the conclusion is that, that you can get a cream made of this for topical, and you can take that... Uh, olive leaf extract internally as well. I suggest you take with the vitamin C and L-lysine. Now, there's a good study from the University of Bristol, which is in the United Kingdom, published in the Journal of German Chemical Society, their top journal in the country, and it shows how certain vitamins have antiviral properties against SARS-2. That's good news especially since it can bind the spike protein and can inhibit the virus infectivity. Whereas if your cholesterol is higher, that actually encourages the vi virus. So isn't this the time now to have a national program to get our cholesterol down, to be on a healthy plant-based diet, since now an elevated cholesterol makes you more vulnerable to the virus? So here's what the study found, that there's strong evidence emerging that vitamin D and possibly vitamins K and A can help combat COVID-19. That's the new study from the University of Bristol, published in the German Chemical Society publication, and it's shown how the, let's say, how these vitamins actually can work at the antiviral level. That's good news. But they also found that when your cholesterol is going up, you become more easily infected. So let's get our cholesterol down. Plant-based diet does that. And let's start making sure we're getting our vitamin D, A, and K each day. Also, researchers find that melatonin, that's what your pineal gland secretes at night when you're in sleep, is also effective against polycystic kidney disease. This is from Concordia University in Canada, and it was published in the Peer Review Journal Molecules. So quite simply is this. A hormone commonly associated with sleep-wake regulation has been found to reduce cysts in this laboratory experiment. And also, I would take melatonin, and then I would also make sure that you had no coffee. No caffeine, because caffeine also 
my experience shows, contributes to fibrocystic breasts and also has uh, fibroid, uh, fibroids also from caffeine. But in this case, it helps uh, people with kidney disease and reduces the need for kidney transplants. That's good. So very similar to what we've been talking about. Glad to see there's research on it. From Satmana Medical Center in Japan comes a study about gallic acid, G-A-L-L-I-C. And it has a dual alpha-beta secretase modulator effect. In lay language, it reverses cognitive impairment and remediates pathology in Alzheimer's. I'll give you the lay language version there. And it's plant-derived, and therefore it's, you know, it's, it's easy to get. And uh, so where would you get this? Well, if you want the highest concentration of gallic acid, blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, plums, grapes, mangoes, cashews, hazelnuts, walnuts, and green tea. Again, if you want to help your brain, if you want to reverse cognitive impairment and remediate Alzheimer's conditions, you want this in large amounts, which case I would juice, because that will give you the greatest amount of this, I would juice maybe a pint of blueberries, a pint of blackberries, and a pint of strawberries. Now, three pints will give you of Americans, and that was also in a peer-reviewed journal. From the University College of London comes a study about black cumin, cumin, C-U-M-I-N. And a lot of people have used cumin, if you've used Indian cuisine, turmeric and cumin, uh, and coriander and anise and fennel, uh, cardamom, those are all typical. But there's hundreds of spices used in, in fact, there's at least 200 different types of curry. It, there's a shop that was near where our office used to be on near Lexington Avenue, and I'd walk down there once a week. They're around 27th Street in Lex, and you have about five or six of these stores. They're Indian stores, and you walk in, and you just the aroma is so wonderful, so exotic. And you see every kind of spice imaginable. It's worth going into the city, going there, loading up. Because these spices, if you keep them refrigerated, they'll last a year. And that way you can get your spices and try things. In any case, one of the spices very common is the black cumin seed. What they do, they press the oil out of the black cumin seed and they get black cumin oil. It's not actually black. It comes from the black seed. But it, we've known it's had strong anti-inflammatory but now we're saying it's strongly anti-inflammatory for your airwaves and asthma. This is from University College London. So they're saying that, quote, supplements containing oil of black cumin, which, by the way, technically is nigella, N-I-G-E-L-L-A, sativa, S-A-T-I-V-A, can improve asthma and lung function. That's terrific. So something as simple, inexpensive, as black cumin seed oil. Now, for people I counsel who have Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, arthritis, cancer, they all get black cumin seed. But you don't want to be taking it straight because it's it's uh, it's very tart. It also is it's uh, it can burn a little bit. So I tell people put your black cumin seed generally a teaspoon. Put your black cumin seed in a smoothie. That way you won't taste it. And this was published in the Peer Review Journal Phytotherapy Research. One gram per day of the oil for four weeks led to significant improvements in asthma and, quote, remarkable reduction in peripheral blood uh, asonophil count, end quote. By the way, the, the, their, their cells that play a major role in asthma inflammation. And blood counts uh, is considered to be a vital biomarker in asthma trials. 
And this was the first randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial that showed a significant reduction in these pro-inflammatory blood, uh, blood counts just by taking, uh, in asthma patients, just taking black human seed oil. How about that? Also, one other thing, and that is from the University of Naples in Italy, and when you take extra virgin or olive oil, ideally organic, there are polyphenols in it. These are the actual chemicals. And they reduce insulin resistance and liver inflammation and improve mitochondrial dysfunction. So this will help people who are fatigued. It'll help people who have liver problems, especially if you've consumed a lot of fructose or alcohol, and if you're diabetic. So it helps all these conditions. That's simple. So how do you get the olive oil? Don't cook with it. Instead, put it in salads. In fact, I, one way when people are feeling a little uh, unease, uneasy, maybe they have an upset stomach, yeah, I'll give them some ginger tea where I actually make a green tea, but then I put fennel in it, anise in it, and then I put um, actual juice of one teaspoon of ginger juice in it. You talk about calming your stomach down, that'll calm it down. But then also, I'll put some olive oil in there. Teaspoon of olive oil. Never heard of that? It works. All right. That's the latest on health and healing. I'm Gary Knoll. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to uh, play two tapes back-to-back. The first tape, I'll bet you never saw. And this is George Ordwell, not, not someone speaking on his behalf or an actor. This is him speaking at the end of his life on his deathbed. Some things that he wanted to leave. Uh, he died in 1950. He wasn't that old. But he, interesting what he says in the middle of the talk, you know, I would have, I would have written the book differently in some ways if, if I wasn't suffering from tuberculosis. Of course, he's sitting there in the interview smoking. And uh, that they did not have healthy diets, they didn't exercise, and they smoked, and they drank. Yeah, that's the outcome, unfortunately. But then after that, I'm going to play you a tape of what George Orwell's novel, which today would be a nonfiction book, really means to all of us. But I'm also going to balance what we say between George Orwell and also what was important about Aldous Huxley. And this is done, this is called How Freedom Dies. And why is this important? Because I'm inundated with emails and letters from people who call my office and, and talk with Sharon or Jessica and, and say, what's going on? What's happening in the world today? This is crazy. I've never seen anything like it. And here's the good news, bad news. The, the good news is that we do have options. There are ways that we can counter peacefully and constructively all of the totalitarian police state mindset that is occurring now and has been for some time, if you've been paying attention. Obama, Obama uh, was, the, was the person that promoted the National Defense Authorization Act. That allowed him to kill people if he chose or arrest them without trial, without charges for the rest of their life or to outsource them to a, a dark site. And yet both Democrats and Republicans, including Joe Biden, promoted that. Why did no one protest? Or his Tuesday kill list, which became so kind of, oh, okay, it's Tuesday, he'll sit with his national security advisor and decide who he feels is a threat to the United States, but it doesn't matter. He says, Nobody can challenge it, and he has complete authority to do it, and he's identified for any consequences. Then we find out that for every terrorist suspected or proven to be an enemy, they killed, with these drone strikes, over 47 innocent civilians. And yet they'll say it was, well, it was collateral damage, so suddenly you change it from 
babies at a wedding party and young girls and young boys and parents, grandparents, no threat to anyone, living peacefully as they had blown to bits. The big difference, and you say, here's the body, the hand, the leg, you know, here's the torso of a six-year-old after a bomb that was sent by a guy who, you know, is in a, a little uh, trailer out in the desert. They have all these trailers outside of Nevada. And here's the president who authorizes. Here's everybody in the security state who was a part of this. None of them are going to lose a night's sleep. It's not their child that was blown to pieces. It would be a little different if it was. But we have no sense of compassion for anyone in the world. And when that suddenly becomes normal, we've got a problem. When the press, or the people pretending to be the press, are completely captured, completely controlled, especially the morons over at CNN and MSNBC, and these are people who should know better because they're almost all highly educated, they're very intelligent, they're very aware, and yet completely, in my opinion, corrupted by an ideology. Then you can't trust them. And by the way, that's also true of many on the left as well. So who do you believe? What do you do? Should I? And now they've promoted a vaccine so that people are competing with each other to get in line to get it. Well, do you know if, if it's safe or effective? Because what we've shared with you on the show is it can be proven neither safe nor effective at this point, but it does cause massive side effects. I just got a report on side effects from a person. They nearly died from the side effects, but a lot of people have died. Hundreds and hundreds have died, and that's the official figure. And we know that less than 1% actually report side effects, so it could be vastly higher. And they lied about its effectiveness. It's not 95%. On actual, absolute terms, it's 0.7%, not even 1%. Who would take the damn thing if they knew the truth and read the scientific journals as we have and scientists have and physicians have and says, but the actual evidence is 0.7% in absolute effectiveness. What they're using is a, is a referred number, meaning it's, we're guessing. So it's all corrupt. The whole system's corrupt. So the good news is there are those who are speaking out for the first time. In my career, we're seeing people who are saying, uh, this is wrong. This is not right. We need, uh, we need to know the truth. And we're not getting that. Not from officials, not from the media, not from, not from the corporate leaders, but we are getting it from tens of thousands of scientists and physicians who are speaking out. That is such good news. The bad news is that when they were stealing tens of billions of dollars in asset forfeiture, no one challenged them. When they had 80,000 SWAT teams raids a year, killing dogs, shooting people, uh, stealing, confiscating for themselves, nobody complained. When they started then turning words into weapons, and therefore you couldn't talk, you couldn't say certain things, they weaponized free speech against people. And one after another, they took away your rights, and now they're on steroids. Over the next couple of years, you will see more of your rights taken away until you won't have any rights. You won't be able to get on an airplane unless you have a test before or negative than a test when you get back on. If you, even if you flew under the current rules in the same day, if you flew to L.A. and flew back to New York, you'd have to have a test both ways. That's what they're wanting and demanding. So they're not going to tell you what they expect unless they already have it planned that it becomes mandated. So we're going to see a lot of bad things happening and nothing good at all. You're not going to see any major changes. Gladly, they will undo and good. They will undo a lot of... Uh, uh, Trump's environmental uh, de deregulations. But as far as the top 50 things they should do to address on climate change, on income inequality, on de-ghettoizing America, on healing a nation, on, on allowing freedom of speech, on getting rid of the Glass-Steagall Act, on getting rid of Citizens United so rich people don't buy elections, on getting rid of uh, the law that protects all the platforms, social media platforms, from being sued, get rid of the 230 clause and make them liable uh, for what they promote. 
um, none of that will be done. None. But you will see at least 150 million Americans, nearly half the American population, suffering at levels they have never suffered before. Then they'll be in enough pain that they'll begin to go to the streets and hopefully peacefully uh, demonstrate. The best demonstration we could have in America is that all of us, all of us, went on general strike. I mean, close it all down. Close everything down. And refuse to pay any more taxes at the local level, state level, national level, until we, the people, true populism, has a chance to make the changes. Now, can the existing system be reformed? Never. Not in your lifetime. And they know it. You need new systems. You need to start over. It will mean, in my opinion, that we will have to break down completely as a society where we'll have absolute total chaos and suffering unheard of in American history. For those, unless they're rich or professional class, they'll be fine. They'll live in their green zones. Nothing will change for them and their children. But for everyone else, the big bitter is about to happen. And it starts, has been starting. No one's just paid attention to it. So that's why these two clips on Orwell are so important today. And, uh, and then Brendan O'Neill. Now, Brendan is an avowed Marxist, and, uh, but listen to what he has to say. Set aside his political you know, beliefs. I don't listen to a person's political beliefs. I just hear what they have to say. And if I, what I hear them saying is guided by a body politic, I pay no attention to it. If it's guided by common sense, reason, and the truth, I do pay attention. So what he has to say, I think, is extraordinarily important and honest. So we're going to hear from them. Also, yesterday, I played you what would have been two clips, one from Steve Hilton, a journalist. I, I cannot prove, but I would. And it's fine if he did use our material, if someone listened. But we showed a paper trail, actual documentation. You can download the documents. We gave you the documents about how when Obama, and rightly so, and I commend him for that, put a moratorium on gain-of-function research where you take a virus and you make it more pathogenic. You make it more, you weaponize it. Now, it doesn't mean you'll use it as a biological weapon. That's not what I'm saying. You can say, well, we need it to be, we need it to be enhanced in its virility in order to create vaccines or something against it. I don't buy that, but I'm giving them the benefit of a doubt that it was for, uh, it was for a more, scientifically foolish, irresponsible. But there's Anthony Fauci in writing back in the 19, uh, 2014, I believe, writing about why gain of research was so good and he stood behind it. Yes, it could go bad, but you know it's worth it. And then we show after the Obama administration said no, no more funding to gain of research because here's the accidents. Here's the leaks from the labs actually happening. Here's the downside. And he went behind Obama's back, Joe Biden's back, went behind the Justice Department back, and he kept funding it. How do we know? We have the actual, from the National Institutes, we have the payment ledgers. We can prove by the checks he wrote who they wrote him to. So he writes him to a guy that we mentioned, this NASA guy, at this Echo Health. And he then starts doing gain of research. Then he gets the guy at the University of North Carolina to do gain of research. And they actually write about it. We got that in writing. There's patents. And then it's off to the Wuhan lab. And that's where the checks were, $3,700,000. And the guy from the University of North Carolina goes there. And Dasik goes there. And so they're doing it there. And if they say it's a novel virus, we don't know where it comes from, nothing like Not true. Not true. To Steve Hilton's credit, he came up with a research that that they, the Chinese found this bat virus in one of the infected miners, or researchers in a mine, two of them died, and this one who lived, he had a unique virus in him. They actually wrote it down. They, they completely identified the genome. It matches COVID-19. So now we know where it came from. It came from a bat in a mine in China years ago that they then did their gain of, gain of, uh, gain of uh, uh, research, and they created it. So now we can prove absolutely unequivocally in any court of law in the world 
that Anthony Fauci and these other people involved and the University of North Carolina and Wuhan Viral Institute all worked in the GAIN research, which, which made it much more pathological. And then, by the best of knowledge today, someone managed to inadvertently take it out of the lab. And that's where it began. Then the, the Chinese government covered it up. For weeks, they knew they had an infection, and they didn't do anything about it. For weeks, they covered everything up. So now that's the story. Well, he, he, we did the whole show. You can go to archives and download them. Well, he did a show a week ago that covered the same material we did. Maybe he used the same sources. In any case, because his is television and, and national television, now some newspapers are following up on it. Good for them. And now he did a subsequent piece where they attacked him. Of course, they're going to. But then they gave him some information, National Institute of Health, that further, that further verified this. They gave them the wrong information. They gave him information they didn't mean to give him. So he broadcast that. So what I did is I took the two clips and I put them together. And then we played them yesterday. Unfortunately, uh, because of the storm, I said to the engineering staff, I said, look, uh, they're going to close down the subways. Leave early. All right, wasn't their fault, and so they left early. And uh, but what didn't happen is one clip starts 15 minutes in, and instead uh, they didn't know that, not their fault. And uh, otherwise, if they were live in the studio, they would edit that out. So we'd had two seamless clips. So you heard this Tom Brady uh, thing talking about, and that was simply an accident that happened when and no one was in the studio, and uh, and. It's okay. Uh, I like Tom Brady, and I still am waiting for them to talk about his lifestyle and his diet, his supplements, and what he does to keep himself so healthy at 43. Now he says he wants to play till after 45, and he can do that. So there we have a model, and a very good model, I might mention, very ethical person, very decent person. Spends a lot of time helping charities, helping children. Good for him. I wished every famous person or celebrity did the same thing. And uh, so if we could all learn what he's doing, then more athletes, more people would be inspired to change their diet and be like be like Tom Brady as far as your diet. Because I know what his diet is. I know what he's doing. Could it be enhanced? Sure, it could be. Uh, are people coming to the anti-aging retreat, in, uh, not a retreat, but in the study group at the end of April? They're going to have something about 100 times more powerful, more scientific than Tom Brady's, but he's doing it as a lay person. Uh, we're, we're, your audience, you out there, if you've been listening to this show for 10 years, you qualify for a PhD in human nutrition as well. So uh, that's, so now you can, now they're both seamlessly edited together. So go to the archives and you can download that without hearing the Tom Brady pitch. Also this Sunday, I'm going to be doing what will arguably be one of the single most important webinars of my career. I don't know how long it's going to last. One of my webinars went seven hours. Another went six hours. The average is five hours. How long this is? Might be two hours, might be three hours. I don't know. But it's going to be powerful, and we just posted the table of contents for you, something we've never done before. So if you go to prn.fm, you can actually see all the topics I'm going to be handling, and I've asked Richard Gale uh, to come in and do the Great Reset, because now you hear the propagandists in the media talking about the Great Reset, the Great Reset. These idiots are clueless about what it will actually do to you. It's going to decimate you. You will have nothing in your life within five years of the Great Reset. You'll be living like you were in a dystopian movie. They'll have everything. They already have everything, except integrity, decency. They don't have to ever worry. Bill Gates will never die of a heart attack. He has not. Zuckerberg uh, will never have to worry about a stroke. You have to have a brain for that to happen. These people are just clever manipulators, but they will own it all. Unmitigated greed. I mentioned some of the names on Friday's program of who is, who is a partner in the Great Reset. Oh, my God, when Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola, when all the polluters, the biggest polluters in the world are all partners, when all the banks, the most corrupt financiers, are all partners... 
when all of these military industrial contractors are all partners in the Great Reset, do you think they're going to suddenly do something for your benefit? Have they ever done anything for your benefit? Not a thing. They've extracted trillions of dollars cumulatively out of the economy, and all we get is more income inequality and people going hungry and children going hungry. Do you think any of these people care? So if you think the Great Reset is good, keep watching the financial shows and the major media, and they'll convince you it's good. We're going to tell you the truth about the Great Reset. I'm going to tell you which jobs are not going to be here. And by the way, at least half of all college students right now, you will not have a career when you get out of college. And you weren't smart enough or patient enough to sit down and say, let me look at the future and transhumanism, automation, um, uh, and see which jobs are coming, which jobs are going. I'll tell you which jobs are going to be there, which careers are going to be there, where the best places to move. And guess how many intentional communities there are. Just a few years ago, there were two or three. There's over a 1,000. We're going to show you where. So everything you need to do to get off the grid so your phones can't be tapped and your car can't be monitored where you drive, everything you need to get off the grid, we're going to share with you. Go to GaryAndAll.com, or no, excuse me, go to PRN.FM. And by the way, I also just started this week, we premiered yesterday, VaccineNation.net. The best articles from Robert F. Kennedy's Children's Defense Fund on vaccines, Barbara Lowe Fisher, one of, the, one of the most brilliant, courageous journalists and mothers whose son was adversely affected by vaccines, the DPT shot, all of her articles, over 60 of, of our articles, the best books and videos from all over. And we've, we've read every single thing, watched every single thing, so none of the nut job people and provocateurs of disinformation get on there. Ours is a qualified site. VaccineNation.net, it will help you. And all of our articles, we've written 15 articles on the COVID, so our latest ones are up there as well. We're going to take a break and come back at you with George Orwell's final warning. By the time Orwell married Sonia Brownell, 1984 was written, after which he would never leave his bed again. But he left one final warning. 1984 is, I believe, a quite terrifying masterpiece. So terrifying, in fact, I don't think I should like to read another like it. I'm not absolutely dissatisfied with it. I think it is a good idea, but the execution would have been better if I had not been under the influence of TB when I wrote it. You once claimed that you have an ability to face unpleasant facts. Is that what you've demonstrated in 1984 by drawing an accurate portrait of the future? I think that allowing for the book being, after all, a parody, something like 1984 could actually happen. This is the direction the world is going in at the present time. In our world, there will be no emotions except fear, rage, triumph and self-abasement. The sex instinct will be eradicated. We shall abolish the orgasm. There will be no loyalty except loyalty to the party. But always there will be the intoxication of power. Always, at every moment, there will be the thrill of victory the sensation of trampling on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. The moral to be drawn from this dangerous nightmare situation is a simple one. Don't let it happen. It depends on you. George Orwell's writings have experienced a spike in popularity over the past decade and for a simple reason. Modern societies are becoming ever more like the dystopia depicted in Orwell's most famous book, 1984. 
whether it be mass surveillance, the incessant use of propaganda, perpetual war, or the cult of personality surrounding political leaders, it is not surprising that many see Orwell's novel as prescient in many ways. With that said, the West remains much freer than the dystopian society of 1984, but the trend does not bode well for those who favor a free society. Orwell, in fact, believed that totalitarianism of the type he satirized in his novel was a distinct possibility for the West, and at times he went as far as to suggest that it may in fact be inevitable. Almost certainly, he wrote in 1940, we are moving into an age of totalitarian dictatorships. In this video, we will look at what caused Orwell's pessimism, focusing on two trends in particular, the move toward collectivism and the rise of hedonism. Collectivism is a doctrine, or set of ideologies, in which the goals of a certain collective, such as a state, a nation, or a society, are given precedence over the goals of individuals. Socialism, communism, nationalism, and fascism are all collectivist ideologies. Orwell believed that a precondition for the rise of totalitarianism was the emergence of a collectivist social structure, as this permits the centralization of power needed to exert total societal control. Orwell's view of the connection between totalitarianism and collectivism has proved puzzling, as Orwell was a staunch leftist, a critic of capitalism, and a socialist. How could someone who favored socialism, a collectivist ideology, at the same time write a dystopian novel which portrays a collectivist society in such a horrific manner? To understand his position, it must first be realized that Orwell did not consider capitalism to be a viable system. It is not certain that socialism is in all ways superior to capitalism, he wrote, but it is certain that, unlike capitalism, it can solve the problems of production and consumption. Capitalism was such an inadequate system in Orwell's mind, that like many leftists of his day, he believed that it was on its deathbed and would soon be replaced by some form of collectivism. He saw this as inevitable. The issue for Orwell was what type of collectivism would take its place. The real question, he wrote, is whether capitalism, now obviously doomed, is to give way to oligarchy, totalitarianism, or to true democracy, democratic socialism. Following the impending death of capitalism, Orwell hoped that democratic socialism would be adopted in the West. Democratic socialists, like Orwell, advocated for a centrally planned economy, nationalization of all major industry, and a radical decrease in wealth inequality. They were also strong supporters of civil liberties such as freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, which they hoped could be maintained in a society which would largely deprive people of their economic freedoms. The problem, however, which Orwell and other socialists had to grapple with were the lack of examples, either past or present, of any countries successfully adopting democratic socialism. Even worse, the states that had turned to collectivism in the first half of the 20th century, such as Nazi Germany and Soviet Russia, were becoming increasingly totalitarian. They were adopting what Orwell called oligarchical collectivism, not democratic socialism. Oligarchical collectivism is a system in which an elite few, under the guise of a certain collectivist ideology, centralize power using force and deception. Once in power, these oligarchs crush not only the economic freedoms of their citizens, a move which socialists like Orwell favored, but also their civil liberties. Orwell was concerned that following the death of capitalism, the entire Western world would perhaps succumb to oligarchical collectivism. This fear was in part due to his perception that hedonism was on the rise in Western societies. Hedonism is an ethical position that maintains that life's ultimate goal should be the maximization of pleasure and the minimization of pain and discomfort. In an increasingly urban and consumerist West, Orwell believed that many people were structuring their lives in a hedonistic manner, and this did not bode well for the freedom of Western civilization. A hedonistic lifestyle, according to Orwell, weakens people. It makes them feeble and incapable of mounting any resistance to fanatical ideologues who desire to rule over society. This fear of Orwell's has proven unfounded up to this point. While the West, since his death in 1950, has in many respects become more hedonistic, this has not led to totalitarian dictators taking over control. Rather, Adolf Huxley, the author of another famous 20th century dystopian novel, Brave New World, may have had a better grasp of the way Western societies would become enslaved in the late 20th and early 21st centuries. Huxley, like Orwell, was an anti-hedonist, but his aversion to hedonism differed from Orwell's. Huxley's main concern was that hedonism could be used 
as an effective tool to oppress a society because people will willingly forego freedom in exchange for sensory pleasure and endless consumption. If a society can be structured so that people can devote much of their time to pursuing pleasures, gratifying material wants, and even drugging themselves to escape from reality, then persuasion and conditioning, rather than physical coercion, will be sufficient to exert extreme control over a society. Neil Postman, in his book Amusing Ourselves to Death, nicely contrasts the differing fears of Orwell and Huxley. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture. In 1984, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared that what we fear will ruin us. Huxley feared that what we desire will ruin us. The West, it seems, finds itself in a situation somewhat analogous to what Huxley feared. For like the proverbial frog in boiling water, citizens in the West accept greater and greater intrusions into their freedoms and with little resistance. The overt physical coercion that Orwell thought would be required to enslave a society has so far proved unnecessary. Before dismissing Orwell's fears completely, however, it must be noted that Orwell was familiar with Huxley's position, and he did not deny that the hedonistic society Huxley feared was a possibility. But he saw it as a temporary stage, creating the ideal conditions for a more brutal regime to seize control and impose its will on society. Whether Orwell will be proven correct in the end remains to be seen. Yet as was pointed out, Orwell did not believe the totalitarianism which he feared could emerge in a society without it first becoming collectivist. So perhaps what has prevented his fears from coming true thus far is that capitalism did not die as he believed it would, and collectivism has yet to emerge fully formed in the West. Interesting topics. And by the way, I just was told that Hal Holbrook, the great actor who who did a the last part of his career is imitating um, Mark Twain and Brinkley Sue's diet. He was 95. Also, someone just emailed me that Tony Bennett has announced uh, through an article in the New York Times today that he has Alzheimer's. You might want to reach out to him and tell him that we have some natural, non-toxic protocols to help Alzheimer's, and they have. In fact, if his wife uh, would like to speak with the people that we have helped. Be happy to make that arrangement. Uh, so let's see if let's see if he's willing to be helped with a natural alternative therapy. Now, what do you think is going on and what are your biggest concerns? Uh, there's a new administration, but by the way, it's just not a new administration, it's the entire government. The all of the agencies, they're in power now, back in power the Brennans, the Clappers, the people who lied and the people who manipulated, they're in power, total power. The, uh, the media is aligning with them, all the tech companies aligning, and both the executive and legislative branches, the Senate and the House, all together now. So imagine what can come when there is no one that can oppose them in any meaningful way, and instead of accepting their victory with some sense of grace and humility, they are now ramping up to go after those 74 million Americans that voted for Trump. And the people listening to this radio program, I'm sure the most of them would not have voted for Trump, more progressive in mind, hopefully voted for independence. But you do not go after the people who, for whatever their reason, including many who went after to vote for Trump in protest of what the Democrats, which many of whom were Democrats, but betrayed by the corporatist Democrat ideology. You don't go after people when you've won. When, when someone is down and out, you don't go over and put your boot on their neck, as what, as what George Orwell was referring to, what he saw the future, and now we're seeing exactly that, punitive measures, controlling your speech, controlling what is now a thought crime, controlling uh, controlling the movement of people. 
it, uh, that is not what people who have won something do. There's no reconciliation going on, just pure unmitigated hatred. This is so destructive. That is so unlike what many Americans of all races and ethnicities want. But that's what happens when anger dominates. Your thoughts. 888-874-488. I'd like to hear what you have to say. We always have intelligent, insightful uh, people's comments from the audience. So share them with us now on what you see happening and what should happen that is not and what we as individuals can do to try to stand up for the higher virtues of being a human being and working collectively in a society. We are collective persons. You know, you don't say, you don't get your mail because you voted this way. You get your mail. Uh, you don't get to go, you're not going to get anything. You're going to be punished. But you you can do anything you want. We don't do that. That that's That's unacceptable by any metrics of reason, decency, and spirituality. But those are my thoughts. I'd like to hear yours. Now, before we go to your thoughts, and if we have your thoughts, I'm happy to take them, and Brendan O'Neill, we uh, want to mention that our sister station, WBAI, uh, I've looked at the ratings, two different ratings, and we have 0.1% of the available New York City audience. There are about more or less 20 million people within the radius of this station and its signal. It's been around a long time. And it's not that we need more publicity. It's we need people once lived in New York and listened who can now listen from New York or wherever they're at over the Internet to realize we're relevant. So the station's doing all it can to create programming and to get ahead of issues, and to support freedom of speech on those issues. What we're doing to help is we're doing pitching as we can, but we're also uh, doing a retreat the last week or two of April. And for those coming for the retreat, you can expect phenomenal food, gourmet prepared, vegan, juicing, exercising in the pool. It'll be about 85 then. Flowers everywhere. The most beautiful assemblage of flowers you've ever seen. Butterfly gardens, yoga meditation, cooking classes, sprouting classes, fermenting food classes, hydroponic classes, and freeze-drying classes. Lectures I do every day. Counseling from Luann. A phenomenal staff. Barbara uh, coming down. She's been practicing 44 years and uh, she is one of our healthcare providers on staff. We have phenomenal people who are there to help you. And then we give the money to the station to buy premiums, and we've been able to buy thousands upon thousands and thousands of premiums. The station didn't have to pay anything for. So it helped it in its hour of need. And right now, you're looking at a station with about seven paid employees running this whole station compared to 44 out of KPFK and 27 another one. So it's doing more with less, and we support them in their efforts. So that's what this is about. Now, I'm going to play you a clip. This is just a random clip. I haven't listened to it. When people were exiting on a Friday, uh, the, the retreat, here's what they had to say. They just line up. Anybody who's been there, no, they just get around the kitchen table and just hand the telephone to one person and say, hi, my name is such and such, and here's what I experienced. Let's see what they experienced. Hello. Uh, my name is Chris. Um, I've come to the retreat and uh, have listened to Gary Knoll for several years, and what I find most remarkable and um, and transformative is to understand that um, and I'm the type of person that uh, wants to know the truth. I don't necessarily need to be right. But for many years, I walked around uh, wanting to justify what I believed in and uh, wanted to be right. But really what I found <clears throat> through Gary Knoll and through others that I've studied with over the years is, is finding the truth. And Gary Knoll backs his truths up with facts and science and a greater knowledge of, uh, of how uni the universe and, uh, and energy flows. And um, that I'm, I'm just very grateful for that because um, 
it's that life force, that life energy um, that he has a great gift to tapping into that comes down into the physical body, into the, the, the psychology of the individual, and helps them have a transformative experience. Um, I could go to almost, I could afford almost any, uh, any vacation, you know, Hawaii, uh, uh, you know, there, there are many places you can go to in the Bahamas where it's nice, but what do you find? You find a, a pool that's, uh, that's filled with chlorine. Here at this retreat, you find a saltwater pool. It's alive. There's energy to it. And uh, the food, you know, the, the food's not fried. The food is amazing, and it's, it's alive. It's cared for. Uh, it's, it's all vegetables. They're, they're locally grown. You know, everything that you, you have here, you, you just you can't. I, I have never been able to find it anywhere, no matter what you pay. It's, it's here. And so I just wanted to say I'm, I'm just very grateful to have a place like this to go to because it's, uh, it's a place that you just can't find anywhere else. Uh, <clears throat> there's beautiful gardens. Um, there are things that if you just try to heal on a level that is um, physical and don't take into account the, the atmosphere that's created here, the, the nature, the plants, and take those in, <clears throat> absorb, <clears throat> absorb them into your pores and into your being. That's that's what I'm grateful for. It's almost uh, words are very difficult to describe. Hi, I'm Sue, and and since I've been here this time, um, I have uh, lost some weight. I can feel it not by looking, getting on a scale, but how my clothes fit, and I can also I also notice that I've gained strength. Um, today, I have so far walked almost completed 12 miles, and I expect to exceed what I did before, which was a half marathon. The other thing I think that is most salient for me as a, a result of participating in the program is um, I was feeling somewhat down and uh, down at home, and I think in part it was the whole COVID thing, and, but it was also that I had kind of lost focus on my purpose. And since being here... Um, I have gained new insight into that. I've also had experience of feeling isolated because I feel very uh, different being a vegan in my community and also um, some of my views about what's going on in the world are completely different from what other people see. And I have uh, come to a resolution about how to handle that when I return to my community. Okay, I don't want to do any more right now. That's those are just two different people. So it's it for a lot of people de-stressing, detoxing, rejuvenating, all in a safe environment. And uh, so, if you're interested, Luann's on the phone now. Luann, sure. give him the number, please. Surely at nine zero three eight eight one seven zero zero eight. I am just about full, Gary, but I have a couple more openings for each week. And uh, I tell you, your audience is very, very loyal from WBAI and your PRN audience, uh, and it's wonderful to have these these like-minded people get together. It's an incredible experience. So give me a call if you're interested, 903-881-7008. Okay, you also mentioned uh, we had a discussion last night about uh, uh, that Instead of hiring just all local people, which is historically what you do, uh, you want to open it up to having a person somewhere from this audience come down and do something. You want to quickly explain that? And by the way, the people are on hold. Of, we're going to say goodbye to our WBAI audience so they can have the news for the last five minutes. So we're switching off BAI now. But we're going to continue to the top of the hour because I want to hear what you have to say. And I'm just seeing that we have Gino from the Bronx here. I don't know what he has to say. And we have Katina from Brooklyn on what's going on. I want to hear from you, both of you, and anyone else, 888-874-488. So please continue, Luann. Okay. Well, I am offering an opportunity for someone in your audience um, who wants to be a cleaning person at our at our place here in Texas. And it's a unique experience. You can live right here on campus. And there'll be a stipend, and uh, it's going to be an opportunity to be on the property with the staff and do do cleaning. And if you're interested in something like that, you call the very same number, 903-881-7008. Of course, I have to interview everybody to make sure it's the right fit, uh, but I'm very excited to offer this to your audience. 
Okay, well, normally all of the people who are hired to do all the work down there historically have come from local community. And then some people in the audience began to call our office in New York and say, you know, I'm not working now. Is there any chance? And I said, don't ask me. I'm not handling that. The person oversees everything is Luann. Just speak with Luann. And that way Luann said, yeah, I'm willing to entertain if someone's out there. They can use the facilities and enjoy it. And beautiful, almost a oasis of tranquility, peace, calmness, uh, wonderful energy, good people uh, on the full-time staff. And uh, so if you like to clean, this is a place. All right. Thank you, Luann. Now, let's go to the people standing by who would like to share their insights on what's going on. Let's start with, uh, we'll start with Katina. Hi, Katina, you're on your turn, please. Hi, Gary. First of all, I'd like to thank you. Um, you're a really old school warrior, and um, myself and my friends, we have a little book club. We really appreciate that you um, speak truth to power. And we just want to assure you, even though we're certain you know, that um, it's not in vain. The truth always wins out, and the truth is the light. So continue to speak truth to power, and it may be a long uh, journey, but the, it's the goal at the end of the rainbow. So let us thank you for that. Okay, the other thing, you there, Gary? I'm here. Thank you. I appreciate oh. those kind ins uh, thoughts. Oh, and one little other um, caveat on that, David and Goliath, okay? David went up against Goliath with no wins, but he did win, okay? So it's a mammoth undertaking that we're confronted with. However, the end is already assured, okay? And the other thing I wanted to say as far as what's going on, technically it's prophesied. I mean, I don't know how much stake you put in prophecy, Nostradamus and Bible, revelations, but I see that we are indeed living revelations, and also Atlas Shrugged, believe it or not. But um, I say that to say that um, these people have a time and a place and a, a process that is playing out, and it looks so very, very awesome and so very, very uh, mammoth, but um, it's only for a time. So as far as refuting the negativity that's in the world, I say, why waste that energy? And that's what I like about you, is because no matter, you give the headlines and they're dire headlines, but then you will always back it up with something positive. And that's what we have to realize, because we are going to manifest what we perceive to be the truth. There's no separation between the internal gymnastics and the external manifestation. And right now we're living mass mind. The masses of people became selfish and self-centered and, and, and self-engrossed and mean and unloving, all those things that you mentioned that we didn't even blink an eye of people being killed indiscriminately. So I guess we just have to taste the fruits of our labor because we didn't have the, 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 the God-given consciousness to reject it in some sort of way. So, again, I thank you, and two, I assure you that we shall indeed win. Just hang in there. And three, those who are listening need to understand, you're going to get what you project. There's no, there's no indis, indivisibility between it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And I don't, uh, I don't go into any of these uh, issues with, with hate or anger. I go in with the idea that, Someone has taken a belief system, and if that belief system has total control over their thoughts, perceptions, then it controls the reality. But behind all that is still a decent human being. Let us try to find what we have in common. Let us try to find common ground where there's room for all thoughts and all beliefs, where we can live in peace and harmony, as many people do. And look for, as you you mentioned that, you know, that... Uh, we are, we are reaping what other people have sown. Yes and no. They're reaping it. We are a small group. We're about 7%, but that's still over, over 35 million people. That's not a small number of people. And always every major change in society happens with the empowered minority, not the disempowered majority. 
It is for us not to mock or ridicule, to hate, or to distance ourselves from those who are so different. It is for us to better understand how they came to their their truths. And when their truths are misaligned, it is for us to be an example of what our truths, which are hopefully universal truths, are, so that they might be inspired at some point. But it's for them alone to decide the day of their awakening that there is more realities than their own personal reality and agenda. Yeah, there have been selfish people, but there have been a lot of selfless people. Think of all the farmers who get up early in the morning, who go out there and toil all day long so you can have those potatoes. Whether you eat them baked and organic or french fried and unhealthy, they're the ones who give us that food and, and make our clothes. A lot of people sacrifice who are not self selfish but selfless. Uh, for us to have what we have. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking here. It, I'll go to Gino if you can make a comment very quick because I don't want to run into you, Therese Lee's time here. Gino, nice to have you on. Hi, Gary. Gary, actually, it'll take longer than the time I've got now. Is it possible uh, we could talk How about tomorrow calling back tomorrow? You... Sure. Yeah, sure. Right, so, just real quick, I'd like to say, though, uh, congratulations. You made it. To another birthday, although I know we're birthing for the whole year, and your uh, your lifespan internally is different than the one with the sun. But uh, congratulations! I know your birthday officially with your mom. Thank you, uh, Gina. We're out of time, but when you call in tomorrow, we'll put you first because you were last today and didn't have a chance to make your statements. So we'll make sure you get your statements tomorrow. For everyone, thank you all for listening. Share the love. Share the peace. Share the patience. Share the understanding. The people can be different. They don't have to be our enemies. Have a nice day, everyone. Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down?